This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, much of the conversation in Washington these days is around President Biden's infrastructure plan, the American Jobs Plan. The $2.7 trillion package will include a variety of elements from traditional infrastructure, roads, bridges, etc., to clean drinking water, to revitalizing manufacturing, and much more. The Penn Wharton budget model has done an assessment of the plan, and that report is out this morning. Alex Arnon is Associate Director of Policy Analysis for the Penn Wharton budget model and joins us right now. Alex, great to talk to you. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing great. Good to talk to you again, Dan. Thank you. So obviously this becomes a a very important moment in the Biden administration. But in terms of looking at the the AJP, uh, what was it that you found in the proposal and, and what kind of an impact will it potentially provide? Sure. So there, uh, there's a lot going on in the plan, as you might uh, infer from the price tag. Um, so of the the first thing is that on the positive side of the 2.7 trillion uh, total spending they're proposing, about 2.1 trillion of that is what we would traditionally think of as uh, investments in public capital, and those you know, those are positives for the economy. They make private workers and uh, and private capital itself more productive, uh, and so we estimate that just looking at that component alone. Uh, we would expect about a half a percentage point boost to GDP over the medium term just from having a more productive capital stock. Now, that positive effect is offset by a couple of things. First, there's the fact that we are we're pulling resources out of the private sector in order to make these investments in uh, public capital. And so that is pulling resources away from private investment in future output. And then, of course, there's the financing, which is, uh, you know, 2.1 trillion in new taxes on uh, corporate on corporations over the first 10 years, uh, and then, you know, they would pay for the remaining uh, 600 billion over an additional two or three years, and then just keep raising revenue after that. Uh, and those tax increases, which again, they fall pretty much entirely on corporations. Um, those are a pretty significant negative uh, for investment and therefore for economic growth over the long run. Uh, so putting it all together, we're estimating that uh, the plan, you know, the, the netting out the positive and the negative would lower GDP by uh, about uh, three quarters of a percentage point over the next several decades. Um, however, I would note it's important to keep in mind that in general, but especially for the kind of spending in this proposal, uh, you know, does it increase gross domestic product it can be a pretty different question from does it make us better off uh, so right. that, you know, three quarters of a percentage point decline in GDP isn't necessarily going to mean that that we are worse off as a society. Right. Yeah, because there are elements of spending that when you look at running a country, you really do have to do on an incremental basis in order to keep uh, everything up and running at the proper level. Yeah, there's a lot of that of just uh, maintaining, uh, you know, the existing infrastructure that we have uh, and investing in a lot of investments in resilience. And these are, you know, you can think of a lot of the spending in the plan as a form of insurance, uh, you know, against, say, catastrophic climate change uh, or a future pandemic. And, and those, those investments, you know, in the most likely outcome, which is what we're modeling, they don't pay out in full because things go okay, uh, we think. Um, but if we get unlucky and things turn out much worse than we expect, we'll be glad we, we had that insurance. 
Um, and, and there are also just a lot of investments in the plan where the benefits are, are not captured in the way we measure GDP. So something like you know, better roads, safer, faster sure. trains, uh, more regular bus service. These are all things that improve our lives uh, in ways that go way beyond their direct contributions to measure GDP. So as you mentioned, there is the uh, the tax element uh, that is involved in this. And in looking at the report, there are a couple of elements there which I don't think uh, the majority of the public think about on a normal basis. So if we can go through them here for a moment and, and you can kind of put some perspective on them. One is the element of taxing foreign profits, uh, which uh, is brought up. And obviously it's important with so many companies uh, you know, having uh, operations in other parts of the world, especially digital companies in this day and age. Yeah, I mean, this is a huge change that the, the administration is proposing here to how we tax the profits that U.S. multinationals earn abroad. Uh, so, you know, just a few years ago, we massively overhauled the system of international taxation in the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Uh, and now they're proposing to scrap all of that and replace it with a new system, um, which is you know much, much more aggressive uh, in terms of, you know, seeking out and making sure we tax every dollar of corporate profits, regardless of where it's earned. Um, so th- this would be a really major structural change to how the U.S. tax system works. And uh, we can talk more about what effects we think that'll have. But, yeah, that, that's a really big, a really big thing there. Well, and, and the other one I wanted, and I'll go back to that in a second. The other one I wanted to bring up is this, uh, is this element of book income, if you can dig into mm-hmm. that a little bit, too. Yeah, so this is uh, you know this is an idea that's become gotten a lot of prominence in the last few years, and and you know another thing that the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act did was repeal the corporate alternative minimum tax, which you know, ensured that uh, every corporation was paying at least a little bit in taxes. Uh, and so here the thinking is they're going to impose a, a new form of minimum tax that's based on book income. Um, there are a few carve outs, so it's not exactly book income. Uh, but this, you know, part of the thinking here is to, you know, affect the incentives that corporations face where they might want to be over-reporting book income in order to, uh, you know, appeal to, to investors and then under-reporting taxable income in order to avoid paying taxes. So here it's trying to sort of balance those incentives. Uh, hopefully the thinking is it will, it will you know, encourage corporations to be more accurate in their reporting of book income. Uh, right. But it, it is definitely um, – it, it creates a lot of new issues. Uh, it, it has a lot of weird properties. Um, you know, it's, it's not as uh, – the old corporate AMT, the minimum tax, was very complicated and far from simple. Uh, but right. this one arguably is, is even more complicated and creates even more uh, strange incentives. All right. So if you can go back now to the foreign profit side of this because I think the question for – a lot of people is we went through a period of time where we saw a lot of corporate inversions where companies who had operations here in the U.S. moved those operations or were sold or were part of a merger to other parts of the world. The government had tried to kind of uh, remove that element and uh, obviously keep U.S. countries here in the U.S. I think one of the questions that's being asked today is, if you see a rise on taxing foreign profits, does that potentially lead to uh, seeing potential uh, inversions pop up again? Yeah, this is probably the single biggest uncertainty uh, in, in what the plan would actually end up doing, because the 
the new taxation of foreign profits that they're proposing really, really increases the incentive to uh, to complete an inversion or, you know, to get acquired by a foreign corporation. Now, part of the administration's proposal is to, you know, put in place new measures to prevent that from happening, that, you know, they will use uh, regulatory means essentially to ensure that corporations cannot just, you know, ditch the U.S. purely for tax reasons. Uh, now, you know, there, there was a, a wave of inversions in the mid-2000s, then the, the Obama administration put in place some new rules, and then very shortly after that, the, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act was passed, and that really dramatically reduced the, the incentives to invert. Uh, so we did see a pretty significant slowdown in inversions uh, after that. It's hard to know if that was because of the regulations or the change in the tax system, um, but this would really, really increase the value of an inversion to a corporation with a lot of international operations. Overall, about how much tax revenue is being derived from these plans? So we're estimating total uh, over the first 10 years, it's going to be about $2.1 trillion uh, raised almost entirely from corporations. And, and then but as, you know, they, they are specifying a 15-year window for revenues. Uh, our understanding is they're just going to you know, keep the taxes in place for those additional five years and then beyond. So, you know, the, the total of $2.7 trillion would be financed uh, from the, the taxes in the plan after about 12 or 13 years. Uh, but then mm-hmm. they would stay in place and just keep raising revenue. And, and what about a billion a year? Yeah, I'm sorry. And what about the issue of government debt? Does it add to uh, reduce or is it somewhat neutral on government debt, this plan? So it, uh, in the short term, it is adding a little bit to, uh, to government debt, um, but that is mostly because the spending is rolling out faster than the tax increases will, will really collect uh, right. to their full potential. So you know, after, the, after 10 or 15 years, we actually will see the debt fall, uh, assuming these tax increases stay in place beyond the 15 years that they're talking about. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, so it will have a pretty significant uh, effect on reducing the debt over the long run, just mainly because the spending is temporary and the tax increases are permanent. You also, in looking at some of the data there, you also looked at the potential impact on things like average hourly wage and and, and hours worked. If, if you can touch on that for a second, sure. So there, the, so so we are expecting a you know about a half to one percentage point decline in average hourly wages, and that is mostly coming just a direct. Uh, effect of the decline in investment and uh, productive capital uh, on the private side that that we expect as a result of this plan. Basically, you know, workers are going to have fewer, you know, less capital to work with and less uh, high tech capital just because the negative effect on investment. And and again, obviously, there are still uh, a lot of the potential of this bill being tweaked as it moves through Congress. So, what you know you've had the opportunity to review to this point may very well be changed and and worthy of another review in a few months. Yes, I think that's very likely. I think we can already see uh, different groups sort of lining up to take aim at specific provisions, uh, and I, I fully expect that that the if we do see any kind of final legislation, uh, it's not going to look exactly like this. Right, Alex. Great to talk to you as always. Thanks. All right. Thank you.
Alex Arnon of the Penn Wharton Budget Model. And by the way, you can go to their website right now and uh, check out that report. As we mentioned, uh, it was just posted earlier this morning, uh, budgetmodel.wharton.upenn.edu for the complete report. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.